This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, or evening, or wherever you're at in the world. Hey, Brian. Um, and uh, we are here live today. Dan, how's your morning going? It's going. We've got lots going on with, on campus right now. We've got testing, we've got vaccinations, and we've got EM Weekly. That's all important stuff right there, especially especially the uh, Ian Weekly part of it. Vaccinations can hold off, but you have to stop and 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 listen to Ian Weekly. But today we're actually have a great conversation going on today, and we're going to be talking to the author of Rise of the Emergency Manager: Reconstruction Emergency Service in Time of Civil Unrest, uh, Brian Rand. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Brian. So, Brian, you. One of the conversations that we've had a lot, Daniel and I and, and, and others, the idea of emergency management, um, emergency management as a collateral duty. And and uh, one of the things that I stress on that is that as a collateral duty emergency manager, it's sometimes we set these people up for failure because we don't give them the time, the training to be able to understand what emergency management is. It's a complete different um, <clears throat> uh, structure. It's a complete different mindset than fire, police, EMS. Um, how did you do it? How did you make that transition? Well, going back to when I was actually a firefighter, um, I went to school and, and started learning a bit more about emergency management. I had never intended for emergency management to be kind of where I landed. Um, it's just so happens to, to how things worked out. Uh, as far as the transition goes, like you said, Todd, that, that's a great point. Um, there's a lot of confusion because it's not necessarily standardized. I mean, each each town, each city, uh, municipality, state, federal, um, they all run it differently. Um, there's a there's a set standard for basic education that you can get through FEMA. But aside from that, it's going to be on your locality and your state as to what it is that you're preparing for. So, you know, when people get put into the position, it's all a matter of why they were put into the position in the first place. You know, is it something that they sought out or is it, you know, someplace that they just landed because it was a collateral duty, like you said. And I think when emergency management is taken as a collateral duty, that's that's it's doing it a great injustice because you're not dedicating the time required to do what it is you need to do. Um, and you're, it, the reason that I wrote the book was to, to shine some light on that. And I had worked in, you know, municipal and, and with state, then onto federal government and then onto private sector. And, being lucky enough to do that, that's when I got to see exactly how each, you know, facet of of these EM uh, programs kind of looked at each other. And uh, there was there was a big issue. So you have your locality 
that is depending, you know, if it gets big enough, if the event is bad enough, we're going to have FEMA come in. And you have FEMA saying, well, if there's an event that we're going to come into, well, we're not going to be there for quite some time. And then you have the private sector, which is not necessarily understanding of emergency management and, and to how it fits into their overall you know, scheme of business. Uh, you know, what, what is it that protects their bottom line? So having worked in all three, I said, oh, you know, I, I don't think the left hand knows what the right hand is, is really doing. Uh, so when you talk about, again, just kind of circling back to it being a collateral duty of, of somebody's, it, it can't be. It, it's a full-time gig. It is what it is. And, and if you're doing it correctly, you're, you're not going to have time to do anything else. Right. Because even if you go through and you make a plan for you know, whatever your issue is, you need to keep on that plan. Every day something changes. Every day there's a, you know, you can either make it better, you can make it different. Uh, maybe there's a new asset that you need to involve in it. So, you know, a lot of times someone will get assigned as a collateral duty and they'll go, they'll make a plan and just put it on the shelf and that's it. You know, mm -hmm. it's done. Um, and, and you just can't do that. So let, let's talk about the term emergency management for a minute. And we've, we've had this conversation. Matter of fact, Brian, you were on the conversation that we had on the clubhouse, right? Which is yes. kind of a neat, neat way to, to converse with emergency managers and, and Helix sort of round table. So we're talking about what exactly is an emergency manager. And I think that's one of the problems that we have as a profession um, is that we don't even know how to describe that to, um, to our, our spouses right? Let alone to the public of what we do for a living. And, and I think your, your book kind of, we talked about this in your, in your book as well. Um, you know, what it is and, 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 you know, the description of it. So to you, and, and we'll bring Daniel in here because I know he's, he's chopping on this right now to you. What is an emergency manager? What is an emergency manager? What does it mean to be an emergency manager with professional? Uh, and then Daniel take the, you can, I want you to answer the same question. <laughs> Uh, well, again, uh, going by where you are and, and, you know, who it is you're working under, it may be that emergency management is solely dealing with a particular issue of emergencies. You know, in the federal government, it was classic for the emergency manager to be pushed to the side for things like tornadoes and hurricanes and preparedness. Um, you know, at the, at the local side, um, you know, in, in your basic, you know, small city or, or municipality, the emergency manager is is one of two things. Either they're everything uh, where they're overseeing police, fire, uh, Department of Public Works, or they're just, uh, you know, somebody is, is injured or um, it's a position that they needed to fill because they want to get some grant money, you know, so they put somebody in it. So to say exactly what is an emergency manager, I mean, you you can talk to 10 different people. They'll give you 10 different answers. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, but a true emergency manager, um, you know, you have to look at the title itself. And, you know, emergency covers a broad range of things. And management means you're actually managing it. Um, so 
to me, the, the emergency manager is on par with all other department heads and, you know, is going to serve in whatever role they need to, to, to manage the, the issue. So, you know, you may be, um, you know, it may be a large wildfire. It may be, um, you know, a, a terrorist incident. It may be a large, large spill somewhere. So the emergency manager is going to either support the, the uh, responding agency or they're going to be in charge of actually, you know, deploying the resources to go and, uh, you know, mitigate that, that issue. So, like I said, you know, emergency manager and emergency management is so, so broad and, and it's, it's title and understanding. It's tough to say exactly, you know, what the emergency manager is. So, Danny, take it. Well, this is and this is something I actually have been spending a lot of time on. And we just had a, a emergency management growth initiative uh, uh, conversation on this, where we talked an hour and a half, and we could have st- kept going. Where we had people from all over the world having this conversation via Zoom, from students to practitioners to uh, first responders that would like to transition into emergency management. But when you look at the the, the term of what emergency management is and what an emergency manager is, they're not the same thing. Emergency management is a risk driven uh, profession. The emergency manager itself uh, is is all over the place. And as we talk, if I can, re- you know, refer the conversation back to something that was mentioned earlier is, is uh, collateral duty or other duties as assigned. Uh, and, and it's the individual that's attached to the job that determines how well that, that function is going to be. It's not the it's not the organization. It's the individual. And it's the individual's responsibility to then push that position to where it needs to be. And we don't have enough of that. But there's not enough understanding, especially when it's a collateral duty or it's rotational. I work in a I work in a city where it was rotational. Every two years, a new captain would come in from the fire department. Just as one person got a handle on the job, another person would come in. So they never really got a handle on the job. Uh, and then we have others, and it also depends on where you where you fall within the organization. If you're if you're able to make decisions and talk with leadership, versus if you're five or six removed, talk, uh, addressing a sergeant in police or a captain uh, in the fire department. There's, there, it's all over the place, as you mentioned, uh, no standardization. But there is a heavy difference between an emergency manager and an emergency management professional. Because an emergency management professional does what, what Brian did. He, go, he, he, he went to school. He realized, hey, this is, there's something to this. He learned about it. He applied it. And he continues to expand on it versus someone who just does a job and concentrates fully on the response. Their uh, emergency management professional concentrates on every aspect of the phases and the mission areas versus response and uh, emergency management needs to dive away from the response mindset. First re- man- emergency managers are not responders. They're not first responders. They are secondary and tertiary responders. And we need to dive away from response and start concentrating on mitigation, prevention, and pre- preparedness. And we that's not even close to be to a level that we need to be at in the emergency management profession. But as it goes back onto the individual doing the job, they absolutely need to know how they can uh, uh, not only serve their community, but explain to their leadership, their upline, their downline, their sidelines, um, what it is that they do, why they do it, how it's important, and how they can be supported by those individuals. Uh, an organization that doesn't support an individual is setting that person up for failure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I want to I want to go to break real quick here. But before we go to break, I want to say I, when we come back, I want to kind of discuss, you know, your experience, Brian, um, with the Boston bombing, um, that whole thing that went down. And how do you think that emergency management fit into something like that? Have you ever wanted to work in a flying ICU? Or maybe you're just passionate about saving lives. Right now, you can realize your dream by applying to work for one of the best teams in the air medical industry. Air Methods is currently hiring qualified flight nurses, medics, and mechanics to join our air medical team. Check out our new salary and benefits packages. Visit airmethods.com careers and apply today. Power outages can happen at any time. Is your community prepared? The PowerUp Solar Power Charging Trailer can be used to address the need for temporary power for your community. In addition, the PowerUp Solar Power Charging Trailer can provide a platform to support your public information and community resiliency outreach efforts throughout the year to educate and inform people about the need to always be ready. For more information, visit PowerUpConnect.com. That is PowerUpConnect.com. The Outer Limit Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high-quality first aid kits. Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of injuries often seen during austere times. From minor injury on an outdoor adventure with your family to your team responding to a major traumatic event, Outer Limit Supply has the kits to manage most situations, providing practical, user-friendly first aid kits that anyone can use. Enter Ian Weekly, all capitals, at checkout and save 20% off your total purchase. Go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. That's outerlimitsupply.com. Welcome back from that quick break. And thank you for listening to those sponsors. And please reach out to them and let them know that you heard them here on Ian Weekly because without them, we could not bring you the content that we're bringing you. So, Brian, before we left, we're just talking about the idea of what can emergency management's role do um, in the pre-planning phases of, of large events and then and then what they do after things go sideways, especially in a uh, like in a security issue, sort of like what happened with uh, – with the Boston bombing. Can you, what, what's your opinion on that? I said you were there. Well, it's, it was, it was very confusing, you know, at the time. And, and at that time I was, I was the department's training officer and uh, emergency medical services coordinator. I'd moved from, uh, from being on the line. I was actually an engine uh, engineer uh, driver for eight years and served on the rescue. 
um, I got promoted and uh, took over training and uh, the EMS role. So emergency management, honestly, you know, it was the, the term was floating around, but nobody was nobody was actively doing much with it. The chief of department was it was his you know own collateral duty. He was the chief of department and the emergency manager. Um, just one hand was you know heavier toward the fire department than it was towards emergency management. So when the event happened, um, you know it happened in Boston proper, uh, and it didn't land on Watertown's lap until the shootout. Um, so when I was serving with Watertown, excuse me, um, you know this this all unfolded quickly because it you know no one was expecting for for the two Sarnayev brothers to, you know, be in this small area of, of Metro Boston. And all of a sudden it was, um, you know, we had the, the city on total lockdown. I think it was the, had to be the, the first of its kind ever happening where um, even, you know, with the pandemic, totally different thing. I mean, people literally didn't leave their houses. There were police at the end of each street, and if you wanted to come or go, you know, you had to show show an ID that you, you know, you lived on that street and you had a reason to be there. I mean, they went door to door, um, you know, searching for these guys and, and you know, people were compliant and, and let the police in because, you know, they, they wanted uh, they wanted the threat resolved. So when it comes to where emergency management, uh, you know, all of a sudden appeared in it, it was how are we managing these resources? And that's how I got thrust into it because this was an ongoing thing. Um, we didn't know the true extent of it at the time. We didn't know if there were more people uh, involved. We didn't know how big it was. Um, as far as we knew, there were two people that had, had committed it, but were they part of a cell? Um, was this something that had been planned out? Are they going to strike? You know, um, are they going to strike again uh, in some other fashion? So it was a scramble. Um, I mean, we had generators, blankets, supplies, everything that had been given to us from the federal government or from the state. And it was all still packaged up over in the Department of Public Works storage yard. I mean, the stuff had never even been set up, tested, run. Um, you, you, you know, like it's it, it, no one even knew it was there. Um, uh, it had never been inventoried. Um, so we didn't even know what we had or, or how to use it. I mean, there were there were instances where, uh, you know, outside departments um, were flooding uh, Watertown. Uh, it, it was just self-deployment of, of police from all over the place coming to Watertown to help and to help with the search. And if they needed something, they were going to, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot and basically leaving an IOU. You know, we need a generator and we need this and we need that. Um, so we'll 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 pay for it afterwards, but right now, you know, it's an emergency and, and we need it. Um, so it was, you know, it wasn't the smoothest. It, it all worked out, uh, but that's what what led to really opening the door for emergency management in Watertown and Metro Boston to have a bit more light shined on it moving forward. Because um, we had a few incidents after that where we needed to set up. Uh, triage centers and, um, you know, some small medical aid centers. Um, so we still weren't exactly 
uh, prepared for that, but we were better prepared because we had gone, we had inventoried, we, we knew what we had. We started filling trailers um, for specific things, so spill response, medical response, um, stuff like that. So when these, these issues did happen, um, emergency management did start to start to develop as, as a, an actual program within the department. So emergency management for the longest time, and even, even today, I, I think, um, in some circles, is being really pushed back. Uh, a lot of fire, a lot of police. Um, you, you see the writings and, and articles and whatnot. Uh, I don't, I don't mean it in a in this way, but I, sometimes I feel like they're threatened by the idea of emergency management that's outside of their control. Um, and now you're also seeing, on the, on the contrary to this, you're also starting to see uh, kids going to college specifically for emergency management, getting a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and and PhDs now uh, in emergency management coming out. And, and talking about how things are need to be changed, right? Uh, last week, we had a conversation about restructuring emergency management. And this is sort of what your book talks about, too, is how do we, how do we make it better? Uh, what are the steps that are going to be needed to make emergency management um, a forethought, not an afterthought? And, and obviously, your experience with, with the Boston bombing shows that if you had some pre-planning, thinking of the worst, that you could potentially have had stuff staged and whatnot, um, even though you couldn't have prevented the bombing necessarily, but you could have at least had that triggered to, to flip when you needed to. What what do we need to do to, to make the profession better? Well, just like the book says, uh, you know, it's, it's, we, we need to rise up, you know, emergency management is, is on too low of a tier in a lot of cities and municipalities. Um, you know, when you say police and you say fire, you know exactly where they stand in the community, plain and simple. Uh, the police is, is the authority and then the fire is, you know, going to respond to emergencies. There's no question from city to city when you say, you know, I'm on this department or I'm on that department, you know exactly what the other person does. Um, so with emergency management, you know, it needs to be standardized and there needs to be an understanding of of what the position is and what it requires to do it correctly. Uh, and like you said, Todd, and this is a great point, I am 100% for education, um, but you need to also standardize the program of, of the education so that th there's, I mean, you can go on to FEMA and you can take a million different courses, um, but, there's nothing guiding you as to, you know, exactly a, a straight set of basics for you to be good in the position. It's FEMA is very vague. It is. Um, and it's, it's vague for a reason because the federal government needs to um, you know, metropolitan Yep. Metropolitan. You froze, you froze for a second. So um, <laughs> you said that the federal government was vague for a reason. And then. So the federal government needs to be able to educate small town North Carolina, uh, wh where I am now, and, you know, L.A. or, or uh, Boston at the same time. So they're just going to lay out the absolute basics. They're going to lay out the structure. Um, but it's up to you to kind of pick and choose to, to fill in. And that's that's where the issue is. Uh, because again, if it's not standardized in one area, 
then how can you have that discussion of what needs to be done across the board, you know, at a larger level, statewide, uh, federally, the, the, it's, the position just needs to be honed. It needs to be a bit more refined. Um, and that's, that's where I think, and until that happens and until emergency management is put on to the level of where it's supposed to be, um, next to police and fire, uh, overseeing police and fire, um, you know, wherever it is that, that it decides to fall until that's established, you're going to have the same problem over and over and over again. Well, I, and I agree with you and a lot of that, but I think it's up to us to decide where it falls. Um, uh, but I want to ask you the question, uh, where, what advice are you giving or what actions do you recommend that the emergency manager take to be able to rise up, to actually take action, to be able to, uh, say, look, this is this is this is who I am, what I do, and and why it's important. And that's a great question, um, and and I love that you asked it because <laughs> what the emergency manager needs to do is they need to be able to articulate to leadership, and they need to be able to articulate, you know, to those stakeholders, whether it be uh, you know private side or you know public side you need to be able to, to get the buy-in from them because with no buy-in from leadership, for one, you're not going to get any funding. And two, mm -hmm. you're not going to get any authority. And you need that authority to be able to, you know, make decisions and, and to actually spend that money. You know, the, one of the other issues with, with emergency management is there's, there's not enough oversight and then there's too much oversight. There's no oversight when nothing's going on. And then when the event happens, you're going through the red tape just to go and buy, you know, some, some pallets of water, you know, at the store. So if, if the emergency manager is going to rise up, we need to get with the leadership and get the buy-in and we need to get the authority. Um, and part of the book is, you know, how to obtain a statement of authority um, you know, from your department or from your, your city. Um, it's, it's an issue of really being able to define the purpose of what it is you're doing. And if you get the buy-in from your city uh, or, or, you know, the, the county or municipality, then you're golden. Um, because when you can start making decisions on your own and you can start budgeting on your own, that lets you, as, as the individual, guide which way your emergency management program is going to go. When you can spend the money yourself and you don't have to get seven layers of approval for, for basic needs, then yeah, your program is going to grow. And when you can justify it year over year as to here's what we did, here's where we're going, and here's how we're going to sustain it, then you're good. You know, that's that's how programs work. If you can if you can get the buy-in and you know, get the continuity um, for for year over year activities, then then you're great. You know, you're set up for success. Um, but that lone individual person that was put into an emergency management program, well, you know, you you need to educate yourself on what the role truly is, so that you can sell the role, you know, to leadership for what it truly is. Um, you know, if you allow them to pigeonhole you into, we'll get to you when there's, you know, National Preparedness Month and we need you to hand out some, 
flyers on tornado preparedness and whatnot, then, you know, you have to be your own advocate advocate here. And, um, you know, I think the book is a great way to give you some ideas and get kind of a direction as to the scope that emergency management can be. Um, it's, it's not a guide to tell you exactly what to do. It's just things that through my experience over 20 plus years has done right by me. And a lot of this was just like, you know, the average person that's starting out, you have to figure a lot of it out and it's going to be trial and error. Um, so I tried to take the error out of it and say, Hey, these are the things that if you work on these and you understand them, you'll have a successful program and you will be able to go and sit with, you know, your mayor or, or whomever and say, here's why emergency management needs to be here. And, and here's exactly what it does. And when they have that understanding, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for success. Robert Whittam says it's all too often that EM gets tied down in one silo without authority and too quickly and dramatically communicate through all the areas of the community that have been, um, uh, um, miss that there. EM is a, uh, connecting profession. You know, it's true, right? I mean, we are a connecting profession. We are, we are one of these professions that, that goes through uh, to take a look at the city, you know, as worthy working in law enforcement, police, public works, whatever, um, that connects all those through, uh, in, in one in one location and we're a collaborative uh, group of people too so we tend to like to work together uh, and I think that's that's really important um, Brian you know in the in the book it's it's a great book by the way uh, um, I highly recommend getting it and and uh, I'll uh, I'm gonna put a little spoiler out here right now uh, we do have a couple of books that we're gonna be able to give away and we're gonna give them away um, at the end of the May 13th webinar. Uh, with Lorraine Schneider on the visibility of emergency management, right? Increasing the visibility of emergency management. Um, it's it's a really good book. Um, you know, I, I happen to have a signed copy of the book from Ryan, so I do appreciate that. I'm going to brag a little bit here. But it's it's really well written. It's put out there. It's, it's practical. A lot of good stories in here that talk about, you know, the, the you know why why he does what he does. And, and so the, the rise of the emergency manager, I highly recommend getting it. You can get it through um, Amazon. I know that, or you can go to uh, Brian's uh, webpage and, and I think you can buy it through the webpage, right, Brian? Yeah, I, I actually recommend buying it through the webpage. Uh, you'll get it significantly uh, at a significant better price. Uh, so if you just go to www.authorbrianran.com, um, that's where I, I recommend picking it up. And if you want a signed copy, just you know, let me know. It's available on the website. Um, but yeah, a Amazon and, and some of these other publishers. Um, I mean, it's almost it's almost twice the price to to list on there. Um, so by having having uh, the orders come straight through the website, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna save a few bucks. I, I do have one more question before we let you go because we're all getting close to the end here. Um, I love the ca the concept that you have in here, and I know we I've heard it before, but I want you to kind of just touch on it really quickly because you were involved in this. You have the left of bang, the bang, and the right of bang. Mm. Where should you know where should we put our our time and concentration? Yeah, well, that's just part of it. Um, you know, left of bang, right of bang, and and bang itself—they're three separate things. So you can't uh, you can't just 
put all your effort into, into one side or not, you know, it's a total package. Um, and with the, with that, uh, you know, when you get into the, the section of the RANS rule of eights, that's the best way to go about figuring out what you need to do for, for each thing. And the reason I came up with the RANS rule of eights um, is, you know, that, that new emergency manager, well, they see the cycle of operations, you know, given by FEMA and it says, okay, mitigation. Well, I understand a bit about what mitigation is, but how do I do it? Well, if you go to RAND's rule of eights, it's going to walk you right through it. It's applied to every planning part of emergency management. If you are stuck and you don't know what to do, go to RAND's rule of eights. It's going to set you on the right path. Um, so I can't, I can't recommend, and, and that just comes from, from me developing, uh, you know, the process myself as something that's standardized that works. Um, and it allows you to see the steps you missed. It allows you to see the steps you need to take. And when you become familiar with the process and the acronym, you know, the, if I aimed, um, you'll know off the top of your head and you'll, you'll know on the fly. And what that allows you to do is, when you see a program or you're giving something from, you know, maybe you're new, new to the EM position and you're auditing old plans. Well, if you have that cycling around in your head, you're going to be able to pick up on what's missing very quickly. And that's a big thing to go back into someone else's plans and say, what did they do right? What did they do wrong? And what's missing? You need that structure and you need that, you know, that guide to go by. So left a bang, right a bang. Listen, they're all equally important. Uh, the the most important is trying to avoid the bang. Um, so if you if you can keep that from happening, then yeah, I guess you know what, Todd. I guess uh, the right of bang won't won't be such an issue if you can if you can prevent the bang from happening in the first place. So. Absolutely, I could talk about this all day long, Daniel. You got anything less? Just you know, I appreciate I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you giving us uh, giving us your your experience and um, and helping emergency management um, kind of come into the spotlight. Oh yeah, my pleasure, guys. I you know love to come back discuss this more. I could go on for hours and hours. I know Todd and I have talked offline you know a few times, and next thing you know, three hours have gone by, and and you know it's it's crazy. So my my pleasure. I really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah. Again, guys, uh, if you're looking for a copy of the book, just www.authorbrianran.com. Be happy to send them out to you. Absolutely. Brian, thank you for your time. Hey, everybody, um, stand by for one second, Brian. We'll be right back to you. Hey, everybody, you know, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. It was, it's a really great conversation. I wish we had more time to really get deeper into it. Uh, please pick up the book, The Rise of the Emergency Manager, or if you want to wait and see if you can win one, we have a webinar coming up on May 13th. Um, if you can sign up for that, then you can find it in various different locations, whether it's here on LinkedIn. Um, we'll also have that in the show notes as well. And also please follow us on your favorite podcast player. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and don't forget also join us at the community of crisis-cafe.com. It's an emergency management community built by emergency managers. Daniel, how's it going for the rest of you for the day? For the rest of the day, I'm going to be in meetings, working a vaccine clinic and working a vaccine or a COVID testing site. So, All right, busy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time, stay safe and stay hydrated.